All right. Uh, I am joined by my old friend Lydia O'Donnell today, and you have just been sitting through an earthquake in Melbourne. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I just never expected earthquakes to happen here. And about 20 minutes ago, I think it was about a 6.0 um, magnitude earthquake just hit. So, yeah, didn't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you you're yeah. okay? You're not, this, it's not, it's not falling down around you, your house, right? Well, no, I'm okay. Um, but I hope everyone else is okay in Melbourne. Like I've seen, already seen some images and it doesn't look great out there, but I hope everyone's okay. Damn. Melbourne's having a rough run of it with uh, recent riots, one of the, the second longest lockdown in the world and now earthquakes. Yeah, I know what else can hit us, but um, yeah, it's biblical. Building up resilience. <laughs> yeah, building up your resilience. So, Lydia, what do you do? Tell the tell the tell the tell the people what what is what, how do you how do you spend your time on this planet? Well, um, I do a lot of running. So I'm an athlete, but I'm also a running coach. So I work for Nike as the head Pacific run coach down here in Australia. Um, and then I also I have founded a a company called Femi, which is a um, running specific um, coaching company who work, we work just with females and we coach all of our athletes to their menstrual cycles. So it's very much approaching female physiology in a really holistic way and coaching females to be better athletes, but also just feel more empowered within themselves as well. So yeah, a lot of what I do is based around running. Um, I guess outside of running, I am just yet, yeah, I guess normal, I would like to say normal person, but maybe not quite. I cover a lot of Ks and running, but I do just like, you know, chill out, love eating, watching TV, love Love Island from, um, you know, <laughs> probably the least feminist thing that I could possibly watch, but um, <laughs> it's a good watch. <laughs> Going back to Femi, is Femi, you know, you mentioned the word feminism, is Femi feminist inspired? As yeah. in like a political ideology of feminism? What does that mean? I, I, to me, feminism is all about empowering females to feel confident in who they are and feel confident in being a female. And I think, um, you know, historically, females haven't been pushed into a space where they can grow their confidence or feel, um, you know, safe enough to grow com their own confidence. So I, I think through the power of sport, not just running, but sport in general and movement, females can grow their confidence, which is much needed for you know a happier and healthier future for all of us not just for females so um to us you know allowing females to thrive in an environment where it's you know not necessarily just about how fast and quick they are and what times they're running but how um how good they feel within them, their bodies and by educating females actually about how their bodies are functioning um, gives the power back to the females and I think that that confidence piece is so huge and it's pretty much what we do like we obviously want to build really strong runners but to me it's so much more than just the running and it's about um, allowing females to thrive in a really safe environment. I love that how long have you been a runner for competitively? I've been running since I was like seven years old. So I was a pretty competitive kid and I've definitely kept that competitive side of me all the way through to being an adult. I've, um, you know, as a child, I played so many different sports and I, I danced a lot. And I think I went from, you know, um, one sport that was very much based around what we looked like and aesthetics into another sport, which there's a lot of pressure. Well, there has been a lot of pressure in the distance running space to look a certain way and feel a certain way. And I think, um, yeah, that has definitely taught me a lot about my body and what actually matters to me. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. I have run my entire life pretty much and it's definitely built me into the person I am today, but it's been a bit of a journey. And you're a, you're a champion runner here, right? And you competed internationally and stuff? Yeah, I do. I, I made the world team last year for the half marathon champs, um, which unfortunately because of COVID didn't go ahead. But um, I've made a few NZ teams and, um, yeah, competed on the world stage, which is been awesome but I still have some pretty ambitious goals to get after and yeah hopefully when the world opens up a little bit more we can yeah work towards those but um yeah the running scene in New Zealand was I think as a teenager and even in my early going through my 20s although there are not a lot of competitive females in New Zealand um everyone knows each other and it is quite a welcoming scene and I think although we don't have I say the talent that maybe Australia or offshore has um, it's still quite wholesome and I, I really enjoyed that side of the athletic community in New Zealand and um, 
yeah, it's it's different over here in Australia for sure. <laughs> As in, so you see the, the 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 quality of runners is higher. Is the culture different for athletes over there? It is. I, I, I the, yeah, the quality is definitely higher over here. But I also think um, for me. I love surrounding myself by people who don't really just define themselves as runners. And I love people, you know, like running is one of the most accessible sports and forms of movement that humans can do. And so, so many people obviously run, which is great. And I, although I am an elite and competitive athlete myself, I actually prefer like spending time with people who, you know, run to make themselves good, feel good and um, better themselves, but running isn't their be all and end all. So over here, um, I've definitely got very involved in like the running communities and even back in New Zealand, as much as I could um, spend time with people who, you know, have so many other things going on and they allow running to be kind of like that um, out there and channel for them to, I guess, gain more confidence, like I was saying earlier, but also like, um create more or I guess find more creativeness in other areas of their lives so running just like um allows them to I guess do that and gives them space to feel good and yeah that's kind of what I love about the running community because it can be a real tunnel vision not just in like elite runners but in anyone who's got like an elite sporting pastime I suppose right like it just becomes this myopic focus to the even to the detriment of your your mental health I suppose uh, I remember when I was a competitive athlete, I became a little bit, I mean, it was great for sport, but it, it, the rest of my life kind of suffered in hindsight, even like the way I felt about my body. You know, I always thought that I was overweight because I was uh, removed from competition weight. And, that, and it's taken quite a long time to change that after I've retired from competing. Is that similar with running and the athletic pursuits that you help people with? Yeah, I think um, historically it's been very built around, you know, if you're not giving it your all, um, you're never going to be a someone or, you know, achieve the greatness that you're wanting to do. And you've got to like go 100% and, you know, there's all that no pain, no gain kind of mentality. Whereas for me personally, and I think a lot more um, more athletes becoming aware of it that you actually need to be happy in the life that you're living to actually succeed in the sport that you're doing so if you're you know if I just fully just focused on my own competitive running and my own training and got really like in my mind about times and splits and running and training and whatever um I don't a I don't think I would enjoy it as much and then b because I'm not enjoying it I don't think I'd do as well so for me it's all about having a really balanced life and and you know a big part of that is um, feeling confident in my own body and fueling myself the way that I need to fuel myself to run the amount of Ks that I'm running. Because yeah, back in the day, I would have been someone who restricted my diet to look a certain way to think that if I looked that way, I'd be able to run, you know, a certain speed or keep up with these girls who look that way. And I think that created such a negative mindset for me that I was always comparing myself, not even just my, how fast I was, but what I actually looked like to other people and to other girls. And you know, that comparison game never ends well. And for me, it took years of training my body and my mind to kind of get out of that and be like, everybody is different. My strengths are someone else's weaknesses. And I just need to focus on what I do really well. And um, it's definitely helped me in my competitive running and um, how my success, I guess, as well. Did you ever have female coaches when you were coming up? Yeah, when I was um, at high school, I had an incredible female coach who coached me for probably about six years. She took me on. Um, I don't even think I was at high school um, before she like welcomed me into the team. And she was a really amazing athlete in her own right. She um, was Scottish and she was representing Scotland. She, she had the Commonwealth Games 800 meter record for many years. And she um, really ingrained into me and into our whole team the importance of just like enjoying running and enjoying sport for what it was and what it could give us versus like just being the best at such a young age. And um, she definitely like held me back, which I'm so thankful for now because you see so many young athletes just getting pushed way too hard at such a young age that they either burn out or just 
fall out of love with the sport because they just relate it to you know being punished and being pushed and not being comfortable and not feeling safe and for me it was the complete opposite you know like running for me through high school with this female coach was all about like hanging out with my friends and you know going for a jog and feeling really good about myself and like creating a really healthy mindset um although I did and I think many young teenage girls suffer with you know body confidence issues um I definitely went through that but having a coach like I did at scores I'm so grateful for her <laughs> I honestly think I'm, I'm only where I am now because of her because she taught me so much when I was so young yeah, it sounds like you're really building on what foundation she built for you, which is, that's cool. I mean, have you ever hit her up and like, yo, what's up? I'm doing Femi now. Yeah. This is my project now. Yeah, I, I mean, my mum still has a really good relationship with her because my mum was a couple of my teacher as well. So um, I was just on my ph- the phone to my mum before and she was actually with my coach from high school. Um, and so, yeah, I try to keep her posted and updated with everything that we're doing and yeah, I'm so just so grateful, to be honest. Like, Oh, that's cool. Because I was listening to a Rich Roll podcast lately with a really famous uh, female runner who had a terrible coach. I forget Alexi the story, Parfus. but it, what's that? Sorry? Alexi Parfus. Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, she, I think she ran for Nike's elite team and he really pushed her on. Oh, I think you're, um, you, yeah, I think you're talking about Mary Kane. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and she, and she was pushed so hard that it like was really detrimental to her health, and her time got worse. And I think the coach eventually got prosecuted or dropped out. Do you know the story yeah, I'm talking about? It's still kind of going on. Yeah, is, is <laughs> it? Mary's story. Yeah, Mary's story is super inspiring. She's definitely um, come from you know a pretty hard background because she was so talented at such a young age. Sometimes when kids are so naturally talented it's actually more detrimental for them than beneficial because they get picked up by people and sponsors and whatever and um, get put into situations that they're not quite ready for and um, this is not on her at all like I think um, the team around her didn't support her the way that she needed Um, but when I see young athletes doing really well I almost cringe a little bit and feel bad for them because there's a few things you get put in environments that aren't right for you, but also you don't learn how to work hard when you're naturally talented. You know, you're kind of in a position and it's not the kid's fault at all, but you're getting used to winning all the time and you don't necessarily need to work as hard as those who aren't naturally talented. So you don't get that hard work ingrained into you. And I'm someone who like, I was never like the best in New Zealand when I was a young girl. And part of that was because my coach wasn't pushing me, but I'm so grateful that I wasn't just like a super naturally talented runner. Like I I could run for sure, but I wasn't like the best. Um, And I think if I was, I don't know if I'd still be running because I learned so much through that, like hard work and actually just loving running and how it made me feel. And that's why I still run like my priority for running even now when I'm trying to make, you know, world champs teams, my priority is still to just love it and feel good about myself through it. So yeah, I think being a young kid and being someone who's just got that built into you from like such a young age, it can be kind of dangerous. You just need a really good team around you to support you, to make sure that they, you almost get held back before getting pushed too far. Yeah. It sounds like that's what happened with uh, Mary Kane. Uh, like the, the, she was kind of exploited really. And like you said, when you're that young, you don't have the tools to, to push back and put your own boundaries up and, and I mean, so- you feel, even at that age you you want to be succeeding you want to be winning you know but to have someone step in and say wait four or five years and then you can really go hard but at the time for mary you know people were seeing her succeed and then just wanting to push her even further and further and encouraging her to win everything when um she actually needed the opposite what are the, some of the differences that you think female athletes need compared to male athletes? Because you you mentioned at the outset that Femi talks specifically around the menstrual cycle for, for your runners. What are some of the things that a lot of people might not think about? Yeah, there's so many things. Like, uh, I, I guess it's only really coming to light in the last few years. And it's purely because we have some incredible sports scientists and physiologists out there doing some amazing work specifically around females. And until now, I think it's been less than 10% of sports science studies have actually been done on females, which is crazy when you think about we're 50% of the population and we get completely ignored in the science studies. And that's because of the menstrual cycle and because of these hormonal fluctuations that happen throughout the month. 
it creates outliers and um, too much variability in science studies. So what the sports scientists have been doing in the past is just removing the females to get rid of those outliers, doing the study on men and usually like um, high school to university age men, look, taking the learnings from those men and then just applying what they learn to females, which is so wrong now you think about it because we are built so differently and um it, i when i really just like dove pretty deep into the studies and to the research and understanding the difference between men and females i was uh happy to learn it but frustrated that so many people don't know and and that I grew up as a young girl not understanding the impact that my menstrual cycle has on you know my performance but also just my day-to-day -day function and how I feel about myself and when we approach females through FEMI we take everything into account so the female physiology is obviously so different and that's because of the menstrual cycle but every menstrual cycle between females is different and then every menstrual cycle within a female is different so it's so hard to almost have like a cookie cutter um, approach to working with females because we are all so different based on those hormones so the way we do it at um FEMI is a very holistic approach. We work very hands-on with our athletes. We're talking to our athletes so, um, you know, almost daily just to get updates on how they feel. So rather than me just like looking at our athletes splits and have their data and seeing if they're hitting the targets, it's, it's not really about that as such. It's more about checking in how you're feeling today. How did you pull up from that session? You know, how are you feeling both emotionally, mentally, physically, everything needs to be taken into account because, because of the menstrual cycle and these hormonal fluctuations, um, the way that we recover, the way that we should be eating, the way that we should be approaching um, our training and specifically like hitting sessions that might be higher intensity versus lower intensity um, should be all different depending on where we're at in the cycle. So there's, there's so much to understand and so much to unpack to get it right for each athlete, but that's why, why we do what we do so we can make it super personal for each female and when she is hitting her training and it's aligned to how she feels, A, she's going to be able to absorb and adapt to the training so much better, but B, she's going to actually feel better about herself as well because I'm not going to give a female a session of like eight by one K, which is quite a high intensity session, you know, a week before she's due her next cycle because we know her hormones are really high at that time. When your hormones are high, you can't um, recover as much and you find it harder to hit those intensities. So why would I give her a session when she's going to come away from it, probably not hitting the pace and feeling crap about herself and then questioning like her worth and questioning if she's lost her fitness and you know doubting herself and losing confidence? I'd rather give her a session that I know she's going to walk away feeling good about and understand why she's doing that session and then give her the high session when she feels good. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to it and a, and a lot in it, but it's awesome. We've been running for about a year now and we're still learning like how to work with these females, but um, onwards and upwards, there's, yeah, there's plenty more to unpack. Do, do you have a background in science yourself? So I did a Bachelor of Science at university. I didn't do physiology, um, but when I was at uni, I guess I was very focused on wanting to understand. I like, I've always loved science, but it's, it's through my experience as a runner that I believe like and the way that I can have relationships with our females is I think why myself and my femi coaches work so well with our female athletes, because all of our coaches have grown up running. They've all had experience with, um, you know, hormonal issues or falling into states of relative energy deficiency, which is very related to the menstrual cycle. Um, and so to me, programming and coaching is almost just like the start of it, the, the entire piece is very much based on how we can have relationships with females and make them feel confident about the training they're doing and feel confident about themselves. So yeah, my experience has very much come through my running lens and coaching lens and um, working with Nike, obviously over the last eight years and being able to work with so many different athletes from you know beginner runners all the way through to those really elite, more experienced runners. Um, but I guess the hormonal stuff I've dove pretty deep into recently is more around Dr. Stacey Sims and her research. So I don't know if you've heard of her. She's based in um, Mount Monganui, the greatest place on earth. <laughs> 
and um, she's actually American, but she wrote a book called Raw, which is spelled R-O-A-R, and she's done a lot of research and study around female physiology, and her tagline is women are not small men, and so um, when I fell into a state of relative energy deficiency about maybe four or five years ago now, and I lost my menstrual cycle um, for about nine months, and I, at the time, was just so fatigued, I couldn't even really get out of bed, I ended up doing a lot of her research and understanding how important hormonal health was. And I ended up doing her course and um, a couple of her courses actually. And that's kind of like what led me to want to start Femi and try and educate other females about their bodies as well. What's her course entail? Um, so the first course she does, it's actually called Women Are Not Small Men. And it pretty much dives um, even deeper into everything she covers in her book. So it's very much around how we can adapt our training, our recovery and our nutrition to our hormones and our hormonal fluctuations. Um, and then she has recently, I did a, um, a menopause course earlier in the year. And she's, um, yeah, that's, she probably launched it about a year or two ago now. And, um, that's based on peri and postmenopause and how we can, the same sort of thing adapt our training recovery and nutrition to those changing hormones through menopause this is all really quite innovative it would appear to me you know like it strikes me that you're at like the leading edge of this emerging conversation do you feel like a trailblazer um like I'm not the one doing the back-end work you know it's it's amazing people like Dr Stacy and other physiologists around the world that are the trailblazers are the ones who are doing the research and the studies and and to be honest they're providing us the tools to actually go out and execute and work with females in the in the right way based purely based off all of their hard work so um I mean I'm pretty proud of us and the girls that I started Femi with that we were able to I don't know feel confident enough to launch something like Femi um, which is very new, you know, like I, I don't know any other coaching companies that are approaching it the way that we are. And um, yeah, I definitely am proud of us for doing that, but we're absolutely not the ones who are pushing the limits in research. I think we're so thankful for those scientists who are. <laughs> yeah, cool. When it comes to talking about um, exercise and running, particularly with the advent of social media, there seems to be a real focus on how you look and you've touched on that throughout this conversation do you think that's detrimental for for young women in particular about you know we've always had these beauty standards that women have had pushed on them through all sorts of media channels over the decades and now social media has got this hyper culture of comparison and if you look a certain way you're more likely to get more followers and more likes and more sponsorship deals and there's a financial imperative to to look a particular way or pose a particular way how, how do you feel about that yeah it's I mean it's a huge conversation and I think um I've grown up in a world where I continually like continuously compared myself to other people and to other girls when I was at school I vividly remembering like I'd go to bed at night wishing that I'd wake up in someone else's body because I hated my body that much and like, I would, you know, restrict my fuel intake. I would write words on my wrist, just like just the word no or stop on my wrist. So if I went to go eat food, I would see that and remind myself that I shouldn't be eating just so I could like lose weight to look a certain way when I was already small and like fit and healthy. So, I mean, when I think about I was going through that and I had a pretty, you know, balanced upbringing and I had amazing women around me, like my coach, um, I can't even imagine what other female teenage girls were going through, you know, through that, that um, high school period. But I think about now, you know, when I was at school, I was comparing myself to the girls in my class or the girl next door or whatever it might be. And now these girls, young girls are on social media and comparing themselves to some of the most, you know, beautiful people in the world, but also that it's not real, you know, like most of it has been altered to some degree. And so the fact that these young girls are looking at that and comparing themselves just breaks my heart. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about running because I think running can build a confidence in your own body. That is not about what you look like. And although I have a hundred percent been on start lines, comparing myself to other girls, feeling like I don't deserve to be there. 
and that I shouldn't, you know, I don't look like them. So there's no way I can run as fast as them. Um, I've definitely been there. And I think in the world of running, it's, um, it's pretty well known that there's been pretty big pressures on young girls to um, lose weight because a lot of old school, especially men coaches in um, our industry think that if the smaller you are or the leaner you are, the faster you're going to be. And there's this real disconnect I would call it between being lean and being fast whereas they would think it's a big connect and I'm like no just because you're skinny or you're small doesn't mean that you're going to run fast you're actually going to run fast if you're you know strong um, and you're fit and you're healthy and you've got a healthy menstrual cycle that's the way that you can build consistency and then consistency is how you build speed so I think um, through Femi we just want to empower girls very much around focusing on how they feel and how a run is going to make them feel. It's not at all. Like if I have a girl that comes to me and says, oh, like I want to join Femi and start running because I want to lose a certain amount of weight. I will get on the phone to them straight away. And I will just try to explain to them my own journey, you know, how years and years and years of me beating myself up, restricting my diet, trying to do this, trying to do that to like um, lose weight and get faster led me to fall into a state of relative energy deficiency and not being able to run for a long time and feeling really bad about myself. And then as soon as I actually changed and flipped the narrative and I was like, I actually am going to fuel myself in the right way. I'm going to be able to do the training that makes me feel good. Um, I'm going to feel happier in myself. And then to be honest, the other things like becoming leaner just kind of happen as a byproduct anyway, but I'm not focusing on that to like get to the point where I want to be. So um, it's all about how you feel, not just for females, for men as well. Like I think if you can feel good about what you're doing, then you're doing it right. You know, if you're focusing on losing weight or getting lean or, you know, cutting your diet or like cutting carbs, whatever people do these days. I'm just like, don't focus on that sort of stuff. Like it's a really holistic approach. And I think almost the more you stress about it, the more your body goes into a state of fight or flight and holds on to everything anyway. So the more like relaxed you can be and happier you can be in your own skin, um, the more results you're going to get both, you know, in a performance point of view, but also in a holistic, like be happy in yourself point of view as well. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning um, males as well, because more and more boys have got are getting eating disorders and body image disorders, and, and social media is a part of that. I've had kids come through the gym as a coach myself, and yeah, they're just like, I want to look like a fighter, but they forget that the photos you see on Instagram, it's like two days of someone looking like that to make a particular weight, and obviously it's a professional photographer, and after people weigh in you know they pick out you know you don't walk around it in competition form 365 right yeah you should though you need the energy to fight so like you're up. but i think that's um that's a really good point because back in the day we used to have a syndrome called the female athlete triad which was all based around um girls who were under fueling whether they were doing it on purpose or not at the time most people thought it was eating disorders but you don't have to have an eating disorder or be suffering from an eating disorder to be under fueling um which leads to like bone injuries so your bone density is affected which leads to stress fractures and then losing your menstrual cycle so those are kind of like the three things and hence why they call it the triad that um was it's pretty renowned within the running world that females suffer the female athlete triad but only probably about five years ago they um removed that term and replaced it with relative energy deficiency syndrome because a they know that it happens to men as well and, and whether these men are yeah suffering an eating disorder or not they might just be overtraining and not feeling themselves enough and not knowing they're not feeling themselves enough um, but there's so many other symptoms that come along with it, not just losing a menstrual cycle and having bone injuries. There's so many other things that can go on from being underfueled. And so I think being able to put reds in place of the female athlete triad is way more inclusive. And it just definitely allows us to understand kind of what's going on and how you can fix it in terms of just like really focusing on your diet and making sure you're eating enough and not the other way around. Yeah, it's weird how we've kind of pathologized food or made it such a complicated topic these days. It's, it's like, do I be keto or, you know, for, for a long time it was Aikens or, you know, like for me, I've just basically followed, and I'm not an elite athlete, but, you know, as someone who has an athletic lifestyle, just a, a pretty balanced diet. Most of the time I eat natural food with some fat, some carbs and some protein and 
I feel good. Most, you know, like it. Well, it's, it's the media industry around health and wellness. You know, like it's it's all built on people's insecurities, and so um, when people are trying to sell a product and say it's you know something to do with the keto diet, they're going to push that in the media and say that that's what we all should be doing to get lean and skinny and whatever. Um, so there's so many things wrong with that as well. I just think there's so many fad diets that come and go. You know, like I feel like the keto diet was so in probably five years ago and I definitely fell into the trap of cutting carbs I didn't eat carbs for six months and it ruined me like ruined me yeah that's one of the things that led me into red s um, just just to jump in here this is someone who runs like 30 kilometers every day and if you try and do that like I'm not exaggerating like I, I know Lydia outside of this podcast that needs a lot of carbohydrates to run through that is a stupid amount of calories and carbohydrates are the easiest way to get the blood sugar that you need to sustain yourself right and you're really lean it's not like you have fat reserves that you're just gonna like churn through you're gonna gonna become really catabolic when i um started cutting carbs i felt good probably for the first month and then um i ended up putting like more weight on because my body was in such a state of fight or flight where I didn't even um I wasn't fueling myself enough so every time I ate and you know I was eating high fat diet and high protein my body just absorbed everything because it was going into a state of like well she's not going to feed me again for another whatever yeah. hour we're not getting enough energy so we're just going to hold on to this energy and keep holding on to it um because she's i know she's going to go out and smash another run so you know my body was in shock so i ended up putting weight on from it and um and then i lost my menstrual cycle and then it all kind of just like crashed from there so these fad diets are so dangerous and i i fully fell into doing a fad diet because of the people around me and because of the media and what was being pushed through social media and um it's a huge learning curve for me yeah i think that's true for a lot of people these days like they self-diagnose and they self-apply like pseudoscientific research because they read it on social media whether it's about running and diet or whether it's about mental illness or how to deal with um, trauma and, and family histories there's a lot of like bad information out there and no one really checks it and it troubles me I think it's important to have these conversations but we need to do a better job of helping people have critical filters before they start applying that to their lives and it's actually detrimental to them. It's a tricky one. You used to run a, um, well, you started a, a, an organization called One Step, which was a, specifically about running in mental health and mental wellness. Is that still a thing? Well, we, we started it. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to hand it over to me. Um, yeah, so we started that. That must have been, I can't even remember now, maybe 2016 or 17, um, started One Step purely based off the back of One Wave, which is definitely still going, which is very similar in the grads. It's all based around um, raising awareness around anxiety and depression and the impact that surfing can have on our mental health. And um, you know, both of us are such advocates for how um, exercise can help mental health. And I think running for me was obviously, you know, a no brainer to go to, to get other people running, to be able to um, help raise awareness for sure, but also just encourage people who may be suffering um, a mental illness, especially anxiety or depression to get them out exercising and encourage them to move. We didn't care how far or how fast it was more just about getting outside, breathing some fresh air, connecting with other people and just putting one foot literally in front of the other um, and feeling good about yourself. So um, it was such an awesome journey and the people I, I just, yeah, the people we met through that experience was so incredible. I, I always um, go back to one girl who I won't name, but she came to one step in Auckland and she at the time was suffering pretty severe depression and to the point she was like just staying at home in her bedroom, you know, like, and didn't really connect to anyone. And I just am so proud of her for coming down to one step because I can imagine in that state how hard it would be to turn up to a new community when you don't know anyone to run or walk when you aren't really a runner or you don't do 
sport or haven't grown up doing sport um so it was amazing that she came down to one step and I remember the first session she came down to and we literally just walked park walked around the park together ended up both you know then bawling like we're both very vulnerable and opening up to each other about our own journeys and our own stories and um I said to her at the end of the session I'm going to write you a six-week plan it's going to be run and walk plan and it's just going to give you some purpose and direction to get up each day and do something you know um and now you know years on she is running half marathons you know she changed her entire life she ended up moving down to South Island and and um creating a different life for herself and I would never claim that running kind of was that or one step wasn't the thing that saved her but I think it definitely gave her some direction and purpose that allowed her to feel better about who she was and um open up to what else is out there in the world and um yeah it's awesome like it's those stories through one step that I'm just like super proud that we created something that could help people and um one step spread throughout the world actually like I think within the first couple of years of us running it we had about 15 communities around the world coming together to run um to raise awareness and get people out moving and um unfortunately at the moment it's been kind of put on hold a little bit obviously COVID made things a lot harder but even before that um because we had so many communities around the world it was a bit hard to manage all of it but um you know I'd love to bring it back at some point and just get people out moving and not focus necessarily on those who already have found their love for running it's more finding those people who don't understand or know the secret that running can have and what it can do for people and that's where I think there's like true beauty is encouraging people just to move and I don't care how fast it is just get out and exercise yeah that's what I wanted to ask because yeah we did found start it here in, in in Auckland and then you moved to Australia and I think that's when I kind of moved away from it all so I was curious to know if those different communities were still doing their meetups and hitting the streets together yeah all, all around the globe so on pause huh it would be cool to revisit that I know yeah yeah, I think I think a lot of the leaders that were taking sessions I know for fact a lot of them still run and they still are part of communities which is awesome you know even if it was a a stepping stone to their own running community or joining another community or just getting a group of people out and meeting um that's awesome too so yeah we need to rekindle it and get everyone back together (laughs) yeah yeah all right Keep, keep me posted maybe I'll see what we can do over here um for me running has always been both a preventative for poor mental health and it's also been a recovery tool when I've been mentally ill like I ran my first full marathon with with you actually you didn't end up running it but you were like do this yeah I was yeah yeah I was in a really bad place mentally and I was I had really bad depression and um running my first marathon actually like ran me sort of back towards a a good mental space not by itself I obviously saw a psychologist and made some big life changes but that's sort of been something that I've been unpacking is that mental illness and dysfunction has run through my family history and that's given me a predisposition to my own struggles and I'm great now but um is that something that's true for you too is like that where does your interest in in mental health and come from Yeah, um, I think, you know, a lot of people have some sort of connection to someone that's suffering, you know, either anxiety or depression or both. Um, And for me, I've definitely been through my own journeys with my own mental health. I know when I stopped running when I was about 18 years old, I fell into a pretty bad state of mental health where I was pretty depressed and I really had just like lost my way. And a lot of teenagers go through that and I think running was definitely that tool that led me back to the light for sure it was probably about 18 months of being you know not in a great space mentally um and then realizing at that age that um running was one thing that made me feel really good about myself and I had no idea where it was going to take me but I just wanted to start back running and when I did it was so hard like I was so unfit but you know that journey of coming back from being in a pretty dark place and very unfit to getting fitter and fitter and feeling better about myself and becoming a much happier and healthier person it definitely taught me a lot about how powerful running is and even when I got sick you know four or five years ago when I went through relative energy deficiency syndrome I um I got to a point where I didn't care how good I was going to be at running and I didn't care about getting back and being a competitive athlete. 
I just wanted to run because I knew that it made me feel better about myself and how powerful it could be for someone who was suffering from depression. And um, growing up, I was surrounded by people who were suffering with mental illness. I, it runs definitely through my family and my sister had pretty poor mental health, um, even through our teenage years and through her mental health battles. And unfortunately, it's kind of continu continuing and ongoing. And she's kind of evolved from, you know, from someone who suffers um, depression and anxiety to someone who is addicted to drugs and alcohol. And, and that's kind of just like spiraled her into a pretty downward path. And I think, um, you know, we grew up in an environment exactly the same with the same parents and a beautiful loving household you know um and had so many opportunities as as kids and I was just so fortunate and I'm so grateful that I found sport and running like really like drove me into the right place whereas I think for her she just turned in the opposite direction and and unfortunately that hasn't led her to you know having a very happy or healthy life and I think when I see her pathway and my pathway again it just highlights to me how important sport can be for young people and for kids and and how like staying on the right path is um is so important but, but running for me and sport can do that for you so yeah it's been a journey for her in particular and it's something that I haven't really spoken a lot about in the past but um I think it's important to talk about because it's it's not just part of my story but it's it's the reason why I do a lot of what I do now isn't that you want to take from your own difficult experiences and your family's difficult experiences and share that share that wisdom with people yeah I definitely just want to encourage people to run to to um you know make their mental health better and and the power that running can do for them and I I only wish that um we I could have and we could have as a family taught my sister that years and years ago you know um because I don't think she's at a point now that running in particular could like really help her but um I know that there are people in a position that she would have been in 10 or 15 years ago where um running can actually save lives and you know it's, it might not be the be all and end all for people but it's one of, part of the puzzle that can actually help so yeah I definitely want to be you know a voice um to encourage people to to take that first step and you know I think me as a competitive athlete, I love running fast and I love making teams and winning medals and whatever. But at the end of the day, the main reason I want to run fast is to create more of a profile so I can talk to more people and encourage more people to move because I don't care about the accolades. Like I just want to be able to speak to people and, and hopefully help them. It's very inspiring, Lydia. <laughs> I, it's true I feel I feel like inspired you're just geeing me up more than this coffee that I'm sipping on over here yeah I I really appreciate you saying that because I feel like as much as we're talking about mental health in the online space I think we're kind of past the point of needing to have awareness I think it's pretty well established that we've got a fucking problem when it comes to people's anxiety and depression and substance abuse is common but we don't do a lot of talking about how to actually get better or changing our lifestyles profoundly. We still kind of normalize unhealthy, unhealthy things. Even today, like it's level three here in, in Tamakimakoto, Auckland. And literally the Herald is basically an ad for McDonald's, KFC and Carl's Jr. And people are parking up to, to camp out for food that will help kill them yeah. and like hey look if it's a treat all good but it's not a treat because we know that two-thirds of the population are overweight or obese and we have a mental health epidemic yeah i know and i think um i speak a lot about like the difference between exogenous and endogenous depression and and i think um a lot of people are unaware you know when they are suffering from depression or anxiety that there are things that you can change in your lifestyle if you're suffering from exogenous depression there's things that you can change in your environment to make you feel better endogenous depression I think is obviously very different where you need you know medical support and you need a doctor to step in and you may need some form of medication to help you but the first step you can take is you know what is going on in your environment and how can you change those things in your environment to make yourself feel better and to me, that's yeah, having a healthy diet and eating the right foods and fuel to allow your body to process and function the best way it can. 
and getting some exercise and creating some forms of connection. Like I feel like those are the most important things that humans can do to like improve mental health. And I, I also, I guess like the key things aside from like the obvious of those three things in our environment, um, internally, what we need to be doing is show more vulnerability and show more gratitude. And I just think if we can be vulnerable and, I, I, Brene Brown has a really good way that she puts it like vulnerability without boundaries isn't vulnerability so me just going on Instagram live and talking about how sad I am to me that's not necessarily being vulnerable that's just trying to get some validation from people around me to to tell me that I'm the way that I feel is, is okay you know I think being vulnerable and truly vulnerable is opening up to people who you know can support you and help you and work you through that emotion not strangers that you don't know um, and then the other one is gratitude and, and gratitude, like if you can be grateful for the small things when challenges come along like COVID, um, you know, you can still sit at home and just be grateful that you have a home or be grateful you have a warm bed at night, be grateful that you can go out and go for a run, even if you're only allowed out for an hour a day, like I think gratitude and vulnerability is just so intertwined, but so important for us to like be happy in ourselves and live that really like happy, healthy life, no matter what else is kind of going on in our worlds. It seems really kind of, it seems really punk rock to me. It seems like quite kind of cultural what you're saying, because at least to me, like a lot of our social media feeds are really negative or they're really stuck in the bad stuff that's happened to us. And people put all their trauma in their bio and they just focus on the, the deficits rather than the positives. And that's not to discount people's real life suffering and experiences we've had, but how do you think we shift that? How do we think we get more people to be vulnerable with boundaries? That's a really nice distinction and grateful and put practices which build resilience into their life. How do we, how do we shift that sort of narrative away yeah, from I think it's creating um, connection and creating true, you know, deep connections with people. And I think the way that we live um, has really stopped us from doing that because we live in such a fast paced um, I say engaged, but not necessarily engaged environment um, where we're just continuously on the move or swiping or double tapping and moving on. Um, I think through the digital world and technology has put a barrier between how we actually connect with people. And, and this is for me why sport is such an amazing thing. And so um, it's so important to all of us because through sport and through movement, we can be both vulnerable. I think, you know, if you are going out for a run, you know, it's going to hurt, you know, you might fail, you, you know, you might look silly. There's so many things that um, come into play when you're going out for a run, but you face that vulnerability, you know, you're, go, you're falling into that vulnerability and you're allowing yourself to just go out and do it. Like I think, and it's not just running, you're like, any sport you play, especially if you're um, competing and you're lining up on the start line or you're in a team environment and you're playing against another team, you're putting in yourself in a position to fail. And there's a high chance you're going to fail. There's not a high chance you're going to win, especially if you're entering a running race with 30,000 people, you know, but you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable and to be seen. Um, and then I think when you intertwine that with gratitude through sport and like appreciating is when I, I'm always going to refer to running but like in running like when you're running a marathon and you get to a water stop that water tastes so good and like you appreciate like that water more than you've you would ever imagine you know and creating that gratitude for something that is so small and to most people they wouldn't even think about it I think you build um awareness for small things and become grateful for small things through the power of sport and through the power of running as well so that's why I'm like such an advocate for you know running and sport and in general like it can it can be such like everything like lines back to life as well you know it's all intertwined and I think everything you learn through sport can definitely play back into life and how you approach life your your passion is like shooting through the screen it's like palpable <laughs> there's like a power like anyone listening to this or watching this will be like yo this girl really loves running <laughs> Um, really <laughs> do you think you'll always be a runner up until your 60s and 70s 80s 90s <laughs> yeah so you can live in the lifestyle to get there yeah like I I would love to think that I will continue to run forever I 
um, definitely want to move. Like I definitely want to move for the rest of my life. And um, whether that is running or it might be yoga or it might be surfing, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I definitely know like going through those menopausal years for women pre and post menopause, the way that we train has to change just to for our bodies to adapt and to stay really healthy and keep our bones really strong. So being able to learn all of that definitely has helped me being like, I wonder when I'm going through those years, like how my training is going to look because it probably will look pretty different to what I'm doing now. But yeah, I definitely want to be able to run and move. But I think, you know, at the moment I'm probably running about, I don't know, 12 times a week. So I think I'd like to cut that down to maybe three or four <laughs> as I get up. <laughs> Something healthy, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old joints start wearing out a little bit just through wear and tear. Hey, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I know anyone listening to this will be feeling super uplifted and inspired. If you have any tips to anyone who wants to start running, what would you tell a, a complete beginner? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I, yeah, I, I really hope people can be inspired by this and want to even just like take that first step out their front door. I think having no expectations is really important. I think we live in a world where there, there are all these expectations on us and whether they're coming like externally or internally, I think to try and drop all of that and just be like, I just want to go out and it's 10 minutes. I'm going to run, walk and run as much as I can and walk when I need to that's completely fine, you know, and be proud of yourself for that. I think people also have this idea that they just have to run 5Ks and like this 5K number came from somewhere and I don't know where, but everyone just thinks when they start running, they need to run 5Ks and that's still a long way. So I'm like, yeah, get rid of that and just go out and just really ease yourself into it. The best way to build a sustainable relationship with running is to take it really slow. So if you can give yourself the time and patience to get there, then once you start, you'll never stop, but you just have to approach it in a really like gradual way. That's how I feel about dating. If you just yeah. rush into it head first and it's like all fireworks and you're like, yo, <laughs> yo, that's <laughs> not going to work out in the long term. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Whereas if you take it easy and you get to know someone gently and you figure out if you have a shared interest and compatibility yeah. and it, it's a bit slower, then maybe that relationship will, will have some legs, huh? Well, it's taken me a long time to learn all of that. I've done a lot of rushing into crashing and burning relationships. <laughs> um, hey, this has been real fun. Let's do this again sometime in the future and catch up and see how yeah. family's going, huh? Yeah, it's awesome to chat. I always appreciate connecting with you. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks again. Oh, yo, just quickly, where can people find you and where can people find Femi if they're yeah, curious? Uh, so I'm on Instagram, Lydia Odio. Um, and then Femi is Femi.co on Instagram. And our website is also Femi.co. So you can hit us up. Um, any questions on female training? I am here to answer them. Okay, awesome. We'll talk to you again soon, Lydia. Thank you. Thank you.